The views expressed in this interview are those of the individuals and do not reflect the official policy or position of the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, the U.S. Navy, or the Naval Postgraduate School. Welcome to the Trident Room, brewer of stout conversation, unfiltered and on tap. On today's episode, Trident Room host Carl Flynn sits down with Colonel Jason Perry. Feels like no time has passed at all. We're already 30 minutes. So. Is that right? Yeah. All right. Um, Way too much fun. <laughs> Fair enough. So looking at... No, nothing funner than talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for all the listeners out there. Oh, I'm... I. Uh, data point of one, but I'm very much interested in the conversation so far, so I'm sure our listeners will be as well. All right. Um, so looking ahead, so after Battalion Command Tour, so twenty end of 2012, mm-hmm. and then, sorry, it jumps around between operational tours and then supporting tours. So after 2012, what was the... What yeah, was so I, yeah I was, I was uh, kind of in limbo. I got back to, and, and I was still a lieutenant colonel, not selected for 06 yet, and so I got orders to MSTP, the MAGTAF, staff training program and that was awesome too I was, a, I was a warfighting instructor and observer controller that went around to all the MEFs and taught mm. doctrine and then and then we do MEF X MEF exercises where we put the the MAGTAF staffs true through their operational paces and and do do uh, uh, almost like TTECG if you've been to 29 Palms we have the 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 coyotes out in 29 palms that they put battalions through their through their paces and and we would do the same thing uh with the mefs only in a cpx environment okay. a, a command post exercise uh, type environment so that i was just there for a year though because i got selected for promotion fairly soon after that got it okay and and then immediately went to become the the uh, the branch head in Pacific Division at Headquarters Marine Corps in PPNO Plans, Policies, and Operations. Okay. Headquarters Marine Corps, Pentagon. Back to the Pentagon. And so, so from there, so was that twenty? So that was after. Oh goodness, that was twenty seventeen. Okay. So, but this was interesting because as a captain and a major, I had been at OSD negotiating realignment of U.S. forces in Japan and in the Asia-Pacific region with Japan. Mm-hmm. Part of that was relocating Marines on Okinawa to Guam. Part of that was uh, building replacement facilities for the current Marine Corps Air Station Futenma, which includes building an airfield at Camp Schwab ah, right? okay. and negotiating that with the government of Japan. Mm. Given all those agreements back in 2006-7 when I was at OSD. Oh, that's okay. The, that, this is back to OSD. This is what I did as a major and a captain at OSD. The Marine Corps created an organization called Pacific Division that was the program manager for all those realignment initiatives mm-hmm. in the Pacific. Interesting. So here's kind of full circle coming back to where now I'm the branch head of the organization that is managing the implementation of the agreements we negotiated with the Japanese back in 2006. So, so the, it's a lot to take in, but that's kind of how it all played out. That's very interesting. So because between my first UDP and second UDP on the first UDP, I remember they were still putting in pilings and starting to dredge up building stuff the, for the airfield. The, the, and then, yeah, building the wall. Right. Yep. And then the second deployment, 
they had concrete pilings and they were already starting to fill. And dirt was going in. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. so this is the closure of that circle. And mm. that is that in 2018, I assumed command of 4th Marine Regiment. Right. Which is when you and I almost crossed paths. Almost crossed paths. <laughs> almost crossed paths. Yep. So between 2018 and 2020, I, I commanded 4th Marine Regiment mm. and had a hat as the Camp Schwab commander. Right. So now I'm at Camp Schwab and had the, the and and actually got to see your plan. See the plan start yeah. to come into actual tangible results and to mm. see landfill starting to happen and to see seawalls going up and to work with the local community and address some of their concerns and and uh, and command an infantry regiment at the same time and and which which again. The culmination of experiences, it's, it's, it's a little uncanny, you know? So that was kind of a full, full circle moment for me as well to be able to go back to Camp Schwab and 4th Marine Regiment and to see both my FAO experiences and my experiences as an infantry officer kind of come together in one place and, and at one time. That is, that is really almost spooky how well a little everything, spooky, right? yeah yeah you'd, just... you'd almost think we could have planned it that way but you know right yeah but it was so again again just a very fortunate uh very fortunate to have been given the opportunities that I was given i yeah that's all man all the experiences because the groundwork you laid <laughs> going straight from being pulled from being a rifle company com or weapons company commander to working for osd and then that groundwork that you laid Plus, like you said, all the experiences you had operationally as infantry officer, right. yeah, doing all right. that. Wow, that's very interesting. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, so, just want to go back for a second. Sure. So 2015 to 2016. Oh gosh. Uh, liaison officer to the JSDF ah, in Tokyo. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yep. So, yep, yep. Good point. So after after <laughs> after battalion command, I was selected for top level schools. Mm -hmm. And, and my top-level school was the National Institute for Defense Studies in Tokyo, Japan. Okay. So Japan speaker, Japan FAO, I get selected. The Marine Corps sends one. The naval forces, the naval services, send an officer every year. Mm -hmm. And we rotate. We alternate between the Navy and the Marine Corps. So I was fortunate to get selected to go to the National Institute for Defense Studies, NIDS, mm -hmm. uh, which is basically, think um, – uh, it's, it's top level schools, so um, you know, Naval War College equivalent, I guess, Na National Defense University equivalent in Japan. So this is you know, oh five, oh six level PME. So I take it you were there with equivalent rank officers in the JSDF, right? Okay, that's right. Yeah, so there's about forty five. It's a small class, forty five or so officers. Uh, everything's it's. It's Japanese curriculum, and I think going to Naval Postgraduate School only doing this in 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 a foreign language. Great appreciation for our international students here at Naval Postgraduate uh, School. I personally, <laughs> I personally empathize with every one of them who come here and embark in graduate level studies in a oh. foreign language because I've lived it, and and it's a it's a great experience. Um, but uh, but yeah, I. I our, our international students, I just stand in awe of them every day because uh, I can't understand half of what 
you know, our professors say in English. Oh, I, <laughs> foreign language. I yeah, I was gonna say so. I when when I was still growing up, we my family lived in Germany for four years, uh-huh. and so I went to elementary school in Germany, and I was I was fluent then. I'm definitely rusty now, uh-huh. but yeah, graduate level. Education is all the technical words and all right. that. That's I took an elective on on space, and I, I, I not you know I came to naval I came I came to naval postgraduate school uh, not based on my my science and technology background. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, it was a great experience and and met so many good good people there. But then when I graduated. Um, I was approached by the commanding general of uh, commander of uh, Mar- Marine Forces Pacific, whom I had worked with at OSD in two thousand five and six and seven time frame. Oh, he said, "Funny how things just keep." I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. It is. Yeah, it's weird. Huh. So, so he asked me. He said, "Hey, I'd like. Um, I, I'd like to uh, keep you in Tokyo as a liaison to the ground staff office, so that the." The, basically, the, the Japanese, the Japan, Japan Ground Self Defense Force, the, Ar- the army, mm-hmm. and so I had the opportunity to work there in the Ministry of Defense uh, in Tokyo with the Japanese. So, so it was so in your bio it says the JSDF, but you were specifically working with the JGSDF. Yes, but you know, at the time we were in the process of of developing an amphibious capability within the Maritime Self Defense Forces, and they don't have a Marine Corps, and they don't have a you know, the Marine Corps as a naval service within the Department of the Navy, right. they don't have that. And so amphibious operations for them is inherently joint. And so, yes, I was the, self, I was, I, I was the liaison officer to the Ground Self-Defense Force, which is our counterpart. Mm-hmm. But I spent a lot of time with the very students that I had gone to NIDS with, uh, working with the Maritime Self-Defense Force to... Uh, sort through the embarkation requirements and the command and control for embarked Japanese Japan ground self-defense force units on maritime self-defense force ships that are not built for amphibious operations. And, and also the, 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 the Japanese Navy doesn't really have a, a, a wing. They don't have a carrier air wing equivalent. And so when we talk about... Um, you know, being able to the, the defense of the amphibious fleet and and things like that. Well, we, we need to be talking to the air self defense force as well. Mm-hmm. So right. in Japan, you know, amphibious operations are inherently joint, and so it was really uh, it was really it was a really good opportunity to take this one. Uh, this one form of maneuver, this one form of, of operations, amphibious operations, and use that as a catalyst to uh, enable jointness and then bilateral jointness mm-hmm. with a key ally. So there's there's a there's a few things that come to mind there. So the I believe now they call it the amphibious rapid deployment brigade. They do. That's right. That was the name that. That, that was a name that they ultimately uh, landed on. Mm. Uh, prior to that, it was it was just an infant, an amphibious infantry regiment within the Western Army. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the the naval aviation side of the house. So, if I remember correctly, since then it was actually U.S. Marine F thirty fives that were operating off of Japanese. I believe they were officially they're called like multi mission destroyers or something like that. But it looks like an amphib. 
if I remember correctly. Well, they're they're part of their the mine sweeper fleet. Oh, they have, really? They have flat because they're a helicopter deck. Oh, uh, in, okay. in a in a countermine role. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, landing on those flat deck that that didn't happen until much later, I think. But uh, at the time, we weren't doing that. Okay. But, uh, but certainly, at the time, it was a time of exploring where the opportunities lie for amphibious interoperability. How do we leverage existing platforms and capabilities in a bilateral context? Um, so, very, very busy, very challenging, um, but, but, kind of neat because. Uh, Fast forwarding to Fourth Marines now, and the Amphibious Rapid Deployment Brigade is organized, and and battalions because the the headquarters was organized first, and then the battalions came along later, and to see the battalions rotating through periods of readiness, and and then, and the other thing is stand-in forces because mm-hmm. at the same time the Japanese are developing an amphibious capability, the Japanese forces, they're also developing brigades that that have the ability to deploy to key maritime terrain and defend, um, you know, so- Japanese sovereign territory in, in um, you know, throughout, I mean, 6,850 islands or something <laughs> like that that make up Japan. So, yeah. so really, in many ways, um, uh, they, the Japanese, while they didn't call it this, they had already, I think, mentally transitioned to a real appreciation for the role of stand-in forces. Where have I heard this before? <laughs> right. And so now at, at third, 3MAF and at 3rd Marine Division, 4th Marine, you know, Marine Regiment, um, and, and our focus, our recognition that, um, you know, A2AD, anti-access area denial capabilities are real and they're only getting more challenging that uh, operating within the on key maritime terrain within the weapons engagement zone uh, of, of a threat is a critical capability mm-hmm. that we are not currently organized trained or equipped to perform and so as a forward deployed you know, the only uh, well, I mean, in the in in, the, in that first island chain, anyway, uh, infantry formation. Um, it became the, the urgency and the focus of of effort and energy uh, was just palpable. It was it was fantastic, and of course, for me, being able to interact with the Japanese in that capacity was just, it was just fantastic. I tell people, I, I've had some great foreign area officer tours. My best was as a commanding officer of 4th Marine Regiment. <laughs> Fair enough. So uh, it was a great time. I So this that actually segues pretty perfectly into one of the specific questions I had. So mm-hmm. um, sounds like you'd, in terms of what we think of as, you know, MAGTAF type operations, you know, having Marines embarked on amphib, having their own organic aircraft, uh, being able to conduct amphibious operations. Mm-hmm. Um, one specific questions I had are, or was, are there any technical and tactical lessons we should be learning from the JGSDF? And so it sounds like a lot of the standing force type stuff that we are, uh, as a force trying to get towards, mm-hmm. they're already, they've already been working on for years now. Um, specifically, I don't know how much insight you have on this, but 
just this last month in the Gazette, there was an article about Japanese uh, JGSDF anti-ship missile batteries, mm -hmm. which is something that is just brand new to us. But they've had these for, for quite yeah, a while now. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They have their Chusams and their Tansams and their um, radar capabilities. And, and, and so, yes, I mean, and, and I'm, I, I would expand the conversation beyond Japan. Uh, mm. Our allies across the across the well across the globe really um but but our allies uh, in in in, uh, in in the asia pacific are such a critical part of of our ability to be um you know to um to deter crisis to deter conflict in in that in that region because uh, they bring capabilities that that we don't have and to the extent we can integrate those capabilities it just expands our, our reach and our you know it extends our culmination point and but all of that of course has to be integrated in some way yes um yes. whether it's interoperable whether it's integrated through uh command and control or whether some other technical means that it's integrated um and that's uh and that's why i think allies and partners is such a critical part of of um of our success uh, or our future success out there in, in meeting some really challenging you know problem sets that yes that is just looking at things from my lowly tactical perspective just without i mean without the japanese there's because <laughs> we have so many forces stationed there we have so many yeah. bases there and then the jsdf i mean they have the JMSDF, they have a lot of very capable ships and submarines as well. Um, but I'd add to that, our, you know, the, 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 in the, within the Philippines, and we worked a lot mm. with, the, with the Philippine Marines as well, and, and they are uh, bringing in operational concepts that are very much complementary to, uh, to what we're looking at. Uh, the Australians have always been a really strong um, partner uh, with us, and... and um, and then we spent a lot of time in, in the Republic of Korea as well, working with the, the Marine Corps there. And so that network is really where the strength lies, you know, um, that, that network of, of capabilities. And you can see all of these, um, you know, the, you can just see the importance of those alliance relationships come to the forefront in in vivid color when when you start working with them at a very tactical level and then at the operational strategic level as well mm -hmm. <clears throat> but you see that um uh just how important those relationships will be uh, are today in 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 a competition uh phase and certainly increasingly would, would be increased um you know, as as we transition in, into into conflict, should should that deterrent deterrence fail with fail us? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Again, looking at just my limited tactical perspective, so I I worked just a little bit with the JGSDF out in Camp Fuji. Um, I I feel so bad, but I can't remember the n name of the JGSDF liaison. He was a lieutenant colonel. Um, just as soon as we showed up. He's like, oh, you're the new LAR officer. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm. He's like, I'm Lieutenant Colonel So and So. I'm like, yep. oh, I'm yep. I'm Lieutenant Flynn. Hello, nice to meet you. And oh, 
and we see that everywhere right, uh, yes, right. at fourth marines and that was the beauty of being at fourth marines is that um is that i had the opportunity to send forces and and i very much viewed our role out there as not we weren't training we were conducting training but mm-hmm. we were competing in in the operating space right. uh, and and that probably should go without saying, but I'm, I'm, sometimes you, you kind of need to remind people. I think that your your those those activities we those uh, operations activities and investments we make out there are uh, are um, contributing to this deterrent effect. And and so we worked a lot with allies, but then of course we worked a lot with strategic partners as well. Mm-hmm. And so being able to send. Uh, forces out to Singapore and work with uh, the Singaporeans, with whom we have a great you know relationship with. We would go out to um, Malaysia or Indonesia or any number of um, of, of countries in, in that in that area was just uh, really a lot of fun. It was something new all the time. It's like being deployed for three years with your family I was four years ultimately but with your family there on the you know it's kind of neat it, yeah it was, it was like being on appointment but you had your family with you and you got to live in Japan which is great too that's in, in Okinawa yeah yeah hard to argue with that well sir we're we're approaching an hour already well, we better I, close it up well so I hate to put you on the spot but we've covered maybe half of oh is that right what I actually wow. want to ask you about it's just me running my mouth well I know you're incredibly busy, but was there some time? I mean, not, yeah, not yeah. near future, but sit do down again course. and okay. Like I said, it's, yeah, if it, you know, I can run my gums about me all day long. <laughs> I guess if that's what people want to hear. Well, I again, <laughs> I feel a little selfish of, about it, but you know, it's it's uh, yeah. Well, again, data point of one, but I've been been very much interested in what we've had to say so far. So I'm sure I'm sure part two will be equally, if not more, interesting. Um, getting more into, I mean, we didn't even we didn't even talk about your tenure as a senior marine at all i mean talking about uh, yeah, gfx yeah. just a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and a lot of the other stuff you've been doing so yeah uh, definitely excited for part two but just in the meantime again thank you so much for thank your you time and, and fun us. so all right awesome. looking forward to part two likewise thanks for joining us in the trident room for more information about today's guest and topics please visit the show notes The Trident Room Podcast has been brought to you by the Naval Postgraduate School Alumni Association and Foundation. For questions, comments, and suggestions, please email us at tridentroompodcasthost at nps.edu and find us online at nps.edu slash tridentroompodcast.